Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chat. Well, and with a very special guest this hour... Provided by Cougar Paint Collision, our family helping your family for 40 years. This guy, uh, over the years, has been a great guest on this show, and I now think I'm also comfortable calling him a friend. Double E alum, 1993 Grey Cup champ, Jed Roberts, is with me in studio. It's great to see you, Jed. Hey, it's great to be back in the studio. It's been, uh, it's been a long time. That's yeah, it, it uh, has obviously with uh, with COVID, and uh, and then you know you're a busy guy, so uh, it's often more convenient for you to hop on the phone. But I love having you on the show because I would say I mean I'm very lucky. Blake Dermott's our analyst for our Elks games. Rob Brown's our analyst for our Oilers games, and I learned so much from those two guys. And I would say I learn a much to you because uh, not everybody can explain what they did for a living as a pro athlete. You know, but yeah. you, you and Blake and Rob can actually break it down and say, well, it might have looked like this, but did you see what these guys were doing over here? You know, so that's what I always enjoy talking to you about, too. Yeah, well, I, I, I you know, it's like my wife says, you can't quite ever shut me up. So, <laughs> it's, so always, it's so, always a pleasure so to come in here and talk. just by keeping talking, yeah. eventually you say something intelligent. Is that is what you yeah. say? Yeah, once in a while. <laughs> once in a while, something comes up. Well, we're going to talk about Trey Ford, about the Elks, about Labor Day. Uh, I want to start, though, someone who uh, was a big part of uh, the Double E and a big part of your career. Uh, Rich Stubler passed away a few days ago. Yeah, that was a tough one. Uh, Rich Stubler was our defensive coordinator when we won the Grey Cup in 93. Um, he was with us for a while. I think he had two different stints while I was here during my 13-year career. and um, He was really uh, a, a pivotal um, mentor in my football journey, personally. Um, speaking from experience, uh, working playing under him was... Um, was really cool because he would teach us the other team's offense. He would teach us their blocking schemes, and he would explain it in a way. You know, I've always been a guy that likes to know why we're doing things, and he always he had all time all the time in the world. He was not a do as I say, you know, guy. He was he would say, "Oh, you have questions." Well, I you know he would welcome questions, and he he was almost like having a professor, and he would just get up and not only that, but he would always psychoanalyze psychoanalyze the other team's quarterback, the other team's coach. And just basically their overall personality and what really? they were trying to accomplish. And it was just always like going to school under him. Uh, day one was always really cool because he'd have these massive breakdowns and, you know, a lot of trees gave up their lives. You know, <laughs> <laughs> They do it all on online now. But back in those days, you know, we'd have these really big handouts and it would be every conceivable uh, situation that, that, that the opposing team could do. And he always had one or two nuggets every week where he'd say, there's going to be it. At some point in the game where they break out this play and it would never fail like i remember he talked about calgary coming up with the labor day battle here calgary used to run this run this play with doug flutie where they would put three receivers to the boundary and he said anytime they run three receivers to the boundary it's going to be um a trap and um it's good they're going to trap the three technique which was my tech my and he said that's the only formation they run it out of and it's the only running play they run so if it's first down they're going to run a trap and sure enough he would get in the game and he, i would he would show me what technique to use and i would see it and i would go oh, they're going to run a trap and bang sure enough they ran the, they'd run a trap so i was never unprepared for that uh, but if he hadn't taken that extra effort to explain those things, I would have been completely, you know, hoodwinked because Calgary was an amazing offense. And But Rich was one of the few coaches that seemed to figure Doug Flutie out. So, so. when you said he would cycle, psychoanalyze 
Like he would get into their demeanor and what would fluster them or, or what? Yeah, he's, like his big thing, I remember he used to talk about Ken Austin when Ken Austin was of Saskatchewan. And he would say, there's one thing about Ken Austin is that he likes to pad his stats. Like they'll be down at the end of the game, losing by maybe 20 or 30. And Kent would be throwing like check downs to his backs just so that he could get more attempts. And, and, and completion percentage, like very yeah. high percentage passes. Yeah. And, and he said he couldn't figure out why Ken Austin was doing that. And then he, you know, through process of elimination and talking to the other coaches, staffs around the league, he came up with his own personal analysis of that. And he says, you know what, he just wants to make his stats look really good. And uh, I don't know if that's true or not, but I know that when, I, when we would play uh, in 94, when they had uh, in BC, when he was there with McManus, he said, you know what, we want to keep Ken Austin in the game because if McManus comes in, they're going to beat us. Which is how they won the Great Cup, That's was exactly. it not? And so what he said was, uh, you got to be careful because if you play too well against Austin, they'll pull him and put McManus in. And uh, we picked oh, him off in the playoffs, so they stuck McManus in, and then they ran it all away. You know, so right. I mean, the rest is history. But he always had, he always just seemed to know, you know. And it was really, I mean, it's just a testament to what a great coach he was. He just had these nuggets. You so, know? you said you liked being told why. Like yeah. to simplify it, if if they said Jed in this formation, go to your left. Yeah. Like some coaches wouldn't explain why they wanted you to do that or what you were going to. No, they would just that. wouldn't take the time. You know, I've I've played under a lot of different coaches in in my life, and that doesn't necessarily mean they're better or worse. It's just that they operate in a in a different way. Uh, some some coaches can't be bothered to to make those make that time you know maybe they're not comfortable doing that or maybe they just feel you know what why are you asking me that just you know Mm -hmm. i told you what to do just do it you know Mm -hmm. so uh um, tom higgins was another guy that was like that he was a really good technical coach um stubler was the same you know they were always willing to make that effort to to explain it in a way to sort of demystify it so that i could get more out of it than you know and become a better i you know a lot of guys that that played under him became really good coaches right themselves so i mean I'm sure, I'm sure there's a pretty good coaching tree if you if anybody ever bothered to go back and check it um there's a lot of guys coaching today because of coach stubler great members of rich stubler and tom higgins was just on the show a couple of days ago yeah uh, talking about labor day and uh, getting knocked down in 2003 in the uh in the labor day in that <laughs> melee that uh, involved sanchez and hervey and ray getting pushed and and a bunch of other guys so you mentioned getting these big hat now you and i have done like we did almost a whole hour on film study once, which I found fascinating. But you mentioned getting these big handouts mm-hmm. because I assume you can't physically practice for every situation in a game, or can you? Like sometimes are you lining up in a game and thinking, okay, I never did this, but I know from the paper what's going to happen? Yeah, you know, and that was where kind of Rich Stubler excelled is that he would make an educated guess about what he felt the Stampeders were going to do against us based on what we were doing. And he was almost 90, I would say maybe around 90% right, you know, and he would he would say there's going to be this situation, this scenario. I think that they're going to try this, and sure enough, they would. And it was just, I'm not sure how he was able to do that. I think it was just by, by process, by his experience. He coached everywhere in the NCAA, been all over North America and, and the U.S. and in Canada, and he just, he had seen it all. And... Uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize this, but uh, the match defense that he had, he got from Bill, he got that from Bill Belichick. Oh, really? Yeah, and uh, Bill Belichick was in Cleveland, and I think that Rich went to a uh, clinic or something like that, and was was talking to Belichick about it, and then Belichick showed him how to run it, 
and he just figured that was the best way to, to, to counter the offense that Doug Flutie was running where they had the five receiver set and the wide you know lanes and stuff like that so it was just it looked like one thing but it was really another right so just so uh, what's the match defense can you explain that in a, well, match, in a accessible way matches <laughs> where you you drop and you make it look like zone but then it turns into man so it's like you you drop to your area and then whatever receiver's there you lock on to them and the way Calgary they, they didn't know how to figure that out when we broke it out in 93 but then in 94 what they did was the receivers just started doing double moves and so what that did was that allowed them to get open. But the only way they were allowed to do that is because if you ever look at the film of the 93-94 Calgary Stampeders offense with Doug Flutie in 95, their lanes, they had like three four-yard splits in between, four-foot splits between the offensive linemen, which is unheard of. Like you don't, And that was because if Doug Flutie couldn't find anybody, he would just run it. Oh, you know? right. so, and our defense was so fast, so quick. We had a bunch of linebackers playing defensive line. You know, right. like I came in, I was out of college playing linebacker. Benny Goods, the same thing. Malvin Hunter, Leeway Blue. And so the lanes would really close fast. And so we were, we were so fast and we were pressured so quickly that he would get rid of the ball. And so in the 93, he didn't have that much time. I think he had a little bit more time in 94 because they watched our film and they were doing some different things formation-wise to kind of take advantage of some of the things that we didn't do as well. But it was just as com- it was just fun to watch the chess match between Stubler and the offensive coordinators in uh, in Calgary and and even in, in th- later on down the road in Toronto. Yeah. You know, when he when Flutie moved on. So. Yeah, I I find that stuff fascinating, and I've told yeah. you this before because there are so many adjustments in football i mean it's this amazing sport where you call a play and you have a plan yeah and then you also have to trust the 12 guys on the field that they're going to all be able to adjust that plan yeah and then uh, you could call a defense but there's maybe 50 different ways to run it you know based on what whatever (laughs) formation that team runs yeah you know you run it one way with with two receivers and you know two backs you run it another way with three receivers four receivers five receivers you know so there's so many different variables, and it's uh, it's very difficult to play professional football without being able to uh, you know get in the playbook and study and ask questions and know what you're supposed to do. And my thing was is I was hearing impaired, so I couldn't rely on the audibles, which was when the linebacker would would yell out the checks. I had to see where the receivers were, but I had to do it from a three point stance. Right, and so <laughs> it was a little bit challenging, but and and I had to be right. So I was always in the room with Willie Plus, asking lots of questions, and that was one of the reasons why I always asked Rich, like, "Why are you doing this?" Because I had to know. I, I couldn't hear what the audibles were, you know, mm-hmm. during the game. So I had to know those things in order to have a job. I, so. I know we've we we did a, a whole interview on on your hearing once, but I just want yeah. to ask you this: How much could you hear during a game? Um, if I had my in-the-ear hearing aids on, which I would wear half the time, I could probably hear enough yeah. to get by, uh, but not enough to depend 100% on hearing. Like, I couldn't take it for granted that, yeah, I can all be able to hear Willie or Larry when they okay. make the calls. So I just would take that matters into my own hands. and Because there's the other added variable of my hearing aid might fall out, which it did several times, or it might you know, short-circuit because of perspiration and the battery might stop working, which happened all the time. You know, so. so you never heard crowd noise or being heckled or anything like that? No. <laughs> Not that no. anybody would heckle you. No. Well, yeah, people did. I mean, I remember we were playing in Montreal, and Tory Hunter was, was giving me a hard time during the game. And uh, I would just kind of look at him. We were running, and it was right at the end of the game, and he came up to me, and he was talking, to, and he was saying something. And I took my helmet off, and I leaned in really close. I said, Tory, 
I don't know if you know this, but I'm hearing impaired, and I haven't heard a single thing you've said the entire game. And he goes, what, really? And I go, yeah. And I turned around and walked away. He's probably like, that's my best material. Yeah, I wasted said, it on I just, this guy. He goes, you just took the sail, the wind right out of my sails when you told me that. Because he ended up <laughs> being my teammate a couple of years oh, later. Yeah, he said that was right. one of the yeah. funniest things yeah. anybody had ever said. Trash shot completely irrelevant. Yeah, he just in saw, man, I just wasted an entire hour on this guy. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Jed Roberts is here. He's here until 8 o'clock. Uh, as you know, if you've heard Jed before, or if you just heard him in the first 12 minutes of the interview, he's a wealth of football knowledge and of stories. So, 780-496-0063, if you have a question for Jed about his career, about the current Elks, about anything, uh, what he does now, he'll tell you about that either way. Uh, the hotline presented by CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed Pro all the way, 780-496-0063. More with Jed in a couple of minutes. Brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers. Go to jameshbrown.com. Of course, James H. Brown, led by another double E alum. Trent, a good friend of yours, right, Trent Brown? Yeah, one of them, one of my best friends. Yeah, yeah. We've been friends for over thirty-four years now. Yeah. Oh wow, amazing. Yeah, yeah. We actually met during 1990, our first year with the uh, Edmonton Football Club, uh, and he was a guy that would come in. Last one in, first one out. And nobody could figure out, like, what this guy's deal was, right? He'd come in. He wouldn't even shower. Yeah, he'd just attitude, leave, right? Eh? And then training camp, or sorry, Grey Cup comes around, and I'm rooming with them. So I'm like, oh, okay, this is going to be interesting. Uh, first day, I think we just kind of did our own thing. Second day, he says, hey, man, you want to go for some uh, some uh, Chinese or some dim sum? I said, well, sure. So we go into Chinatown. It was in Vancouver, right? We're right. playing the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And uh, he takes me into this place where you go in the back door, and then he orders a Mandarin. I'm like, what is this guy's deal, man? I totally didn't see him coming, right? And then uh, one thing led to another, and that, that guy's just full of surprises. Like, one of the most uh, brilliant people I've ever met, you yeah. know, can, can, you know, play the piano, musical instruments, can sing, can dance, can play any sport. Yeah. Like, uh Brilliant basketball player, phenomenal volleyball player, like can do anything he uh, wants. Like probably could have played junior hockey if he really wanted to. Right. Um, so he's just a guy that you you look at and you're like, oh, he's not much, but he's, <laughs> man, great guy. And we're friends to this day. Yeah, it's funny. Awesome. We text each other all the time. and so. Well, I saw you guys at a couple of uh, Oilers games this past season, obviously, and, and he comes on the show uh, a few times a year as well as the title sponsor, which is fun yeah. to talk to him too. All right, so... The Elks finally have a couple wins. Uh, I played some clips in the first half hour because, you know, Ford and Jones got asked, well, is it all Trey? And Trey says, well, it's not all me. I think I'm helping, but it's not all me. And Jones, of course, wants to spread the credit around. But I can ask you, uh, because it was, how much is just this quarterback providing a spark? Well, you know, when you watch Trey, and this is the, the thing that I just shake my head in amazement at, is, is Trey is a guy... Like, everybody knows how fast he is, right? And when you look at his throwing motion, it's not the sexiest thing out there. You know, it's just he's got a bit of a weird wind-up. But he gets the ball out, and it's he can throw it a long way, and it's, it's coming in a hurry. But his thing is he's always got his eyes downfield, you know, and he's not. And he does these unorthodox things like um, he'll, you know, a team will, and I know I watched the last game, and the Red Blacks had a spy or two spies on him. And um, the thing about him is he will 
he'll evade the rush and then move to his left, mm-hmm. which not a lot of right-handed quarterbacks will do. And then he'll he'll throw the ball, and and it's just a uh, it's fun to watch him because he's a guy that can make plays, and he's a guy that really gives a defense a hard time because you know you 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 can run your little you know he what the the red blocks tried to do is they would show four or five and then they would drop everybody but three, and then which would make you know a quarterback like Ford would be oh crap you know like it's hard with well, a young guy you don't expect him to be able to read that and be able to make the throw to the right guy. But you see a guy like him staring the safety down while he's, sta- while he's you know, scrambling, moving to his left, which is the completely opposite of what lots of young quarterbacks would do is would move to the right where it's easier to throw. And, um, and he'll look the safety off and then find the open receiver. And, and so there's, he's doing some things right now that I wasn't expecting that from a young quarterback like that. So for him to say, well, I mean, he's doing things that none of the other quarterbacks were doing. You know, mm-hmm. like, you know, you've had a couple of guys, you know, Taylor, Taylor's not doing that. You know, like, it's it's something that it's fun to watch. I think we should just sit back and just, you know, have some fun with it and see where it goes. I mean, but it's one thing to do that against the Red Blacks and, you know, um, but it's a totally different beast, you know, going down to uh, yeah. Calgary and playing in the, the Labor Day Classic which, because, you know. Which we'll <laughs> talk about after 7.30. They changed the offensive coordinator as well. If you... Well, I know you heard me say it over the years. Because even in 14 and 15, and they were good, and they won the Great Cup in 15, I even still was like, man, McAdoo, like, really? Can yeah. you go after it a little bit more? Um, do you see, like, a massive philosophical and play-calling change from Jackson? Well, yeah, a little, you know, a little bit more passing. You know, not as much, like, trying to try to do the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's a little bit more variety in play calling. Um, and then I think it doesn't hurt that you've got a quarterback that can make time for himself. And uh, the teams just have to respect that. Like, And when you're devoting a spy, even in, in Red Black's case and, and some defenses, two spies, that takes two guys out of coverage, you know? And, and so right. that's, so, that's yeah. tough, right? And, and people forget, like, the, the Edmonton Football Club, they have some really good receivers, you know? Like, Gino Lewis is no joke, man, and Arsenal's experienced, and, you know, they've got some ki- some kids in there that can really make you look stupid. And so if he's got the ball and he's running around, you're not going to cover those guys for five, six, seven seconds. Yeah. Right? It's going to, at some point, somebody's going to shake loose, and uh, those guys are experienced, and they know how to do it. And so, so far, you know, he's been, the only thing I worry about is him breaking down cause from running around so much, you know, and. You know, you can, and, and it can be a bit of a headache for an offensive lineman because you never know where the quarterback's going <laughs> right. to be, right? But for so far, he's been he's done a pretty good job of, uh, you know, buying himself enough time to be able to find the open guy. Cool. Jed Roberts is in studio. Uh, you can reach us, 780-496-0063. It's Inside Sports on Chet. 